Hey everyone, I'm Maureen. And I'm Bray. And welcome to the Out of Your League podcast. The podcast for those who think talking about sports is out of their league. Each week, we are here to give you the basics about what is going on in the sports world. And teach you a phrase or rule to boost your sports IQ. Let's get into it. Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Out of Your League. Maureen, we're so happy to have you back this week. Thank you, thank you. I cannot believe you had a first episode without me on the pod. It was, it just wasn't the same. The vibe, the vibe wasn't the same. Of course it wasn't. You had Keith in there. Keith talks so slow. <laughs> the opposite that, like, didn't me. even do it justice as to how slow heat like it just was like a sloth pace yes and that's not an insult to Keith he's just a sloth talking guy I just come in very quick in my voice so it was definitely a change of pace for the pod but it's good to have a male perspective he kept saying several times that he was coming for my job I'm back. Didn't even, didn't even come I'm close. Back, didn't even compete, Keith. But it is nice to have a little male perspective on there. Get a new voice, a fresh. I can't say fresh face because you can't see us, but fresh voice in there. Yeah, just like a spice it up a little bit. Spice it up. I was enjoying a cold trip to Florida. Mm-hmm. I was in the chilly part of Florida on the Panhandle, basically Alabama, and it rained the entire time which is just my luck, but it was still nice. little change of pace. Got to go to some breweries. Got to go to some nice restaurants. So I saw nice. the beach. I worked out a little outside. I went on some walks. So overall, I would say quality trip. But I did miss everyone on the pod. So I'm good to be back. I cannot believe I missed the first conversation about college basketball that we were really having. Couldn't it believe I was doing related. it. Not Couldn't our, believe I was our, doing it without you. Not our first college basketball discussion on the pod this year, but March Madness related. So excited yeah. to dive more into that on this episode. Yeah, we've got a lot of college basketball talk. Going to talk a little bit about the power rankings right now for the NBA. Quick couple stories for MLB. Another COVID outbreak now with hockey. So we've got to talk all about that and wrap up the episode with some locker room talk. So I think without further ado, let's... uh Let's focus on some college basketball and uh, hear from you this week. Let's do it. Brie, March Madness. It's so close. Yeah, it's what, like a month away now? It's so close. It's like a month away. But that is scary. It's, it's good. It's exciting. But it's scary for some teams. They have a month to prove themselves right. that they can make it to the tournament They have a month to get themselves moving up and down the ranks to help their seating. Seating is so important. I say this over and over again, how important seating is. (laughs) It's very important important. to grow your crops. Now (laughs) water your seeds. This is actually a farming episode now. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some new hobbies in quarantine. It's all about the chlorophyll. (laughs) on the podcast but no seating is so important they have um, about a month left to to prove themselves to the selection committee that they deserve to be in the tournament and they deserve to be quality ranked for great seating so that they have a better schedule when it comes into the tournament 
Remember, you are a one seed, you play the 16th seed. If you're number two seed, you'll play 15 and so on and so forth. Right. So the worse you are, the more likely you're going to be playing a really good team first. So seeding is crucial. But yes, thank you for covering the start of the setup, talking about how all the games are going to be in Indianapolis. Um, what I find interesting is usually when the selection committee releases the bracket, split up into four sections, and they're usually labeled by geographic locations. So you have east, south, west, and midwest. And we spoke a little bit about seeding last year. While not always possible, the committee does try to place teams in a geographic location closer to where their school is. That's not always possible. For example, we talked last year, if the first three teams are all from the same conference, like I think one year we had like UNC, Duke, and Virginia, they're obviously all from North Carolina. They can't put them all in the same same geographic location, they have to split them up, but generally they will try to place them. But for this tournament, all of the games are going to be in Indianapolis. Right. So the committee is actually thinking about potential alternate names for the bracket quadrants. Oh, that's, I did not know that. I didn't even think about the fact that by putting it all in one spot, that would affect the quadrants. Yeah, because that's going to be interesting because that's not really going to be a factor this year because everyone's going to need to fly out. So that'll impact how they make some um, ranking and seeding positions this year, which I think is interesting to tie into it. But they could just still keep them as East, South, West, and Midwest. But, you know, they could go with something more funky. You know, maybe we got like... Shuffle it up. Yeah, like it would be fun if they pick something like funny, like the dream team <laughs> give them all new names like yeah like just something fun um superstars in one corner they they could definitely get creative they're absolutely not Why i not? mean they, they could just still keep geographic locations but i mean it doesn't really matter all the games are going to be in indiana um right. so you know with that They have about a month left to evaluate the teams before Selection Sunday happens. So Selection Sunday is when the committee will release who all the teams are that are making it into the tournament. And then, of course, very important, what their seating is. Right. Which goes along with the schedule so the teams know who they're playing and who they have to beat to get get down to the championship. <laughs> so selection Sunday this year is scheduled for Sunday, March 14th, start at 6 p.m. And then the first game is Thursday, March 18th. So, you know, it's what day is it today? It's February 17th. So we have less than a month till selection Sunday. Ah. I know. It's insane. It's really insane. And what's challenging, I think, uh, for the committee this year is they have to evaluate so many different factors relating to the teams and they have to look at every team's overall quality of work. Mm -hmm. But what is different, and we were talking about this earlier, is that some teams have just played way more games than other teams. Yeah, that's just what I don't... I'm struggling to understand how they're going to determine who's number one because some teams have played, I don't know... 
30 games. I'm making this up 30 games and some have played 10. Like they're just not playing all on the road games or some are only playing in their conference or whatever it is. So how are they going to figure out who gets that top seed? I don't understand. Yeah. So I listened to an interview with, um, the, some people on the selection committee and they said that they just have to look at it exactly the way that they evaluate every year. They have to look okay. still at every team's overall quality of work. It's who you win, where you win, and basically what opportunities were you presented to win and did you win? You know, what were okay. what were the strength of your games? Were you playing really hard teams? Were you playing easy teams? Were you playing easy teams and you lost? Were you playing hard teams and you won? So they're not penalizing any teams for pauses. There's been a lot of COVID pauses. Right. Um, but they have to be neutral. And it's just how did they play when they played? All right. I guess that makes more sense because this is such a crazy year that there's no, like, one way to look at it you know, look at things. It's not just whose record is the best. Yeah. There's nothing else they can really do. You know, they, all they can do is evaluate the games that they played and try to make educated guesses about who's the best. I mean, that's pretty much it. And they've already done it already. So what they do every year is the committee will preview who they believe are the top 16 teams. So Mm -hmm. they did that on February 13th. They came out with their top 16 which this is not final. This is not the final top 16. Again, there's about a month left. This is going to change, probably will change for sure. (laughs) But this is just as of February 13th, the committee's preview as who they think are the top 16 teams. The top four, they have Gonzaga, which we talked about. We've been kind of highlighting every week our team to highlight. Um, Gonzaga, number one, makes sense. They're undefeated. They have played a lot of games, yeah. not compared to usual s- seasons. You usually play a lot more games, but they're undefeated 20. Oh, they play 20 games. They've won all of them. Um, we talked about them. They just dominate on offense. Right. Baylor is number two. I really like Baylor. I don't know why I've always had like something in my heart for Baylor because I don't know. My mom just used to always root for them when I was younger Okay. So when I was like a kid in like elementary school and people used to ask me what teams I like, I used to like say Baylor and I don't, That's I don't know so anyone that went there. I used to say like BU too, cause my cousin played for BU and I would yeah, say yeah. like, um, Notre Dame because my cousin went there. But for some reason I would always say Baylor too, because I don't know, my mom just like always liked watching Baylor, but it's very exciting because they were good. And then they kind of faded out of the picture and now Baylor is back. Um, they're also undefeated. They're 17 and 0. So they've played nearly almost as many games as Gonzaga. Um, I think what's great about Baylor, what's pretty cool, is that they have four amazing guards. So guards like point guards, like mm-hmm. usually your smaller shooters, your dribblers, your ball handlers on the court. You can't put in a whole five person lineup of just point guards you have to have your your big man your guards in the back um so usually teams have they'll obviously have a lot of good point guards but you usually have like two really really good three great you know like and then you have to start pulling your bench like they have four amazing guards like 
they'll, they start three. Then they also have like another guy who's like their fourth guard in, who's just like, just as good. Like they just have such a stacked lineup. Um, so like their bench is just filled with great people as well from an offense perspective. Um, and they have like a really aggressive defense, um, which is really awesome. They have like what you would call in basketball, like a no middle defense where they're basically so tight and they don't let anything in. So it's really hard for people to drive the ball like dribble the ball into the center and go in for a layup or Mm -hmm. for a big man to catch the ball down low. Basically like not in my house, you know, that commercial, I (laughs) will not let people in the inside. So forces people to do a lot of outside shooting, which is fine if they have a strong outside shot, but makes it harder for teams that, you know, like to go down low and and like to take those, uh, those middle closer shots. So they're able to get in there. Third ranked team, another team we talked about. I think this was our first team of the week that we highlighted, Michigan, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's yeah. I think what we started all off with. Continue to be great. Um, and then the fourth, which I'm also really excited about, which is kind of funny, but is Ohio State. I know that some people have like a hate or like a love yeah. relationship of Ohio State. I know there's a lot of like football tension, but another team, I used to be a huge Ohio state fan when I was in like, why are you fans of all these random teams? I was fans of Ohio state because I loved Aaron craft. He was just always fun to watch. He looks right. You looked up a picture of him. He looks like he would be like the main character on like some show, like like one tree hill. Right. Yeah, he looks 100%. like like a one. He looks like like a one tree hill he basketball Nathan player. Scott. Yes, he looks like Nate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he could easily sub in for Nathan Scott if they yeah. need like an understudy that day. Like <laughs> a million you know, percent. Okay, for so sure. Just like, like a little yeah. blonde white point guard. You know, for smart sure. with the school. You know, that kind of guy. So he was like fun to watch. So I used to be like an Ohio State fan but then after he graduated they went on like a very sharp decline so it was great watching them and I liked being an Ohio State fan and I'm not like a fair weather fan but like I didn't really I don't really have any like emotional connection to Ohio State so like right. if you're not playing well like I'm not gonna like still be rooting for them so hard but they he graduated and like they did okay the next year the momentum kind of carried them but then like the year after that they didn't even make the tournament they were just like not even in the top 25 anymore. They just like literally went on like a sharp decline. So this kind of shows, I mean, that was only what, five, six years ago then, six years ago, like they turned it right on around. So that's kind of exciting that Ohio state is back up in there. Um, They're doing, they're doing great Um, offensively as well, but they haven't played as many games. I think, they've only played like half the games that Gonzaga and Baylor's played. So see, it shows like they can still evaluate them and their wins were quality wins enough for them to be ranked and Michigan too, for them to be ranked third and fourth when they've played about half the games that Gonzaga. Yeah. They went. Yeah. So Michigan went 23 days without playing and they're still ranked third. So I feel like that's pretty, pretty impressive. Their wins must've been good enough then to get, get them ranked there. Yeah. And, and speaking of COVID, pieces Baylor is actually now going to be on a hiatus due to COVID-19 protocol issues so they're actually not going to be playing until February 23rd so they won't be playing until like 
That's what day is that? Next. It's like another week or so. They're not playing. Um, They'll be playing until next Tuesday. Yeah. So taking a little pause there. I don't know. And if they can still pull it out to get in that, you know, top seed, that's, it's impressive. And I'm sure they're all, I like was thinking about this today. How excited must these teams be to be able to play in March Madness? Like they've gone over a whole year now without it. Yeah. I mean, people are still saying, oh, is there still going to be March Madness with COVID? But these teams have had a full season. Like a lot of them have been cut short. There's been pauses, but we we have a season here. Games are still going on every day. People are playing basketball. So it is, it's going to happen. Especially with it being in a bubble, like it's definitely going to be happening. They're not traveling back and forth. A state bubble. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Stuck in one state as the bubble, like. I don't know how how well that will work. But still, I mean, like, we've seen the the Super Bowl happen. We've seen playoffs happen. We saw NBA championships. Like, it's going to happen. And I'm just obviously excited. I'm sure these teams must be fighting extra hard to make sure they're part of it this year since they – since no one got to have it last year. Yeah, no, it is really exciting. Um, just to quickly go through the rest of the list, um, we have Illinois, Villanova, Alabama, Houston, Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Iowa, Texas Tech, Texas, and Missouri. These teams are pretty amped. They're probably not amped about like the wild amount of nasal swabs that have to be shoved up to them to play. Mm. They're already getting tested a lot, but they have to get seven consecutive days of testing upon arrival. Like they have to get tested for seven days, test negative before they can actually start like practicing. And then they have to get tested like daily. It's just like a lot of, a lot of nose penetration. That's a lot Ew, of I hate that. I just that. straight into your brain. Ew, make sure I never say nasal penetration again. So I pinky promise like that will be the last time you say that on this show ever again. Please and thank you. <laughs> Please and thank you. Um, but yeah, this is really exciting. Again, just to like close out this little March Madness segment. Just want to remind everyone, 68 teams make it into the tournament. 32 are based on whoever wins their conference. There's 32 conferences. Whoever wins their conference gets to go in. And then the other 36 teams are determined by the committee and the committee will also choose the seating. I wish people could see my little like wave. I know the diagram that we will have to put a recap back up on the, on the Instagram. So everyone can get a nice visual of what takes place, but very exciting. Can't wait till we get even closer and get everything uh, locked in as far as what teams are uh, moving on. So in other college basketball news, outside of March Madness, we've got to talk about Duke again. Um, seems like talking we're talking about, about Yeah, talking about them a lot. But um, their freshman, Jalen Johnson, is opting out of the rest of the season. And that is so he can focus on the NBA draft. Now, initially, when I saw this, I was like, what is going on? But Maureen, broke it down a little farther for me because <laughs> um, I was like, what does this guy do? think he's doing? He thinks he's going to get picked up by the NBA draft this season and just not play his freshman year of basketball. But that is not the case. So Maureen, can you kind of explain 
what's really happening. Well, I thought the same thing because I was like, I don't know which site that I was on and I was going through and it was like, you know, Johnson opts out of the rest of the season for Duke to focus on the NBA draft. I'm like, all right, dude, like what? You know, I'm like, what do you just think you're too good for the rest of the season? You think that Duke's not playing really well and there's no chance that you're going to make it to the final four, let alone maybe even the sweet 16 or Mm -hmm. who even knows this year, what, how Duke's looking. So you're like, "Eh, I'm just going to spend my time focusing on the NBA draft. Like when I first read that, I was like, oh, but then, and then I was like looking through it more and then I was realizing more that it's because he suffered a foot injury and he missed a couple games and he's he's returned to start playing again, but he hasn't had as much time as I I guess probably he would like, but not enough time that's worth it to get injury. Like he's not playing the full game. He's being pulled out a lot. He's sitting a lot on the bench. So it's not like he's the leading star of the team where he needs to stay in. It's like, all right, he's not playing the full season. He's nervous about injury. He wants to get drafted. So um, he's not saying like F you to the Duke team. He's not quitting. He's just opting out of playing so he can focus on his health. Coach K said that, you know, while they are encouraged by what they're seeing medically, he's recovering nicely. They, you know, do believe that his decision is in his best interest and they want to support him as he progresses towards his goal of playing professional ball. So coach K did say that he was supportive. I don't know if he's like secretly supportive or if that was just a statement that he said out to the press. (laughs) He's not happy to lose like a good team member, but that's that. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to see what happens once he gets some time to, uh, you know, focus on his health and see if he gets drafted this year. Yeah, let's see if he gets drafted. Which yawn. Yeah, let's see if he gets drafted because that would be awkward if he didn't. <laughs> I don't know if it would. I just, I think I just read everything as everyone being salty. No, I think I need too. to stop doing that. I think that's our problem. Like, I, I read it as salty. He hates Duke. Yeah, what an F you. Meanwhile, he's like, I don't want to break my leg. Or like, we're like, you're so Coach salty, Jalen. You're so salty. I'm like, does Coach K really think it's a good idea or no? Like, he's he just saying it. that. Yeah. You need oh to be. Oh, my God. Always nice. stirring up drama. All right. So I think that wraps up what we've got going on in the college basketball world. Um, moving on into NBA, I just wanted to give an update of the power rankings over the last eight weeks. Now that we're kind of a little farther into the season at number one, you've got the Utah jazz. So they've been talked about a lot this week, actually. Um, they've won the last 18 out of the last 19 games, which is crazy. And 16 of those wins have been by double digit points, not just like a couple points, like double digits. Yeah. It's so crazy. yeah, they're coming, they're coming out real strong. And I think they're a really fun team to watch right now. Um, at second, you've got the L.A. Lakers, and they won the championship this past year. So I don't think it's a huge surprise since the team – or since the season ended so closely to the season starting up again that they're they're doing well, and they're at second right now in the rankings. Um, next, you've got the L.A. Clippers. Um, and they've had some injuries. They've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out right now from different injuries. They've still won the last 14 out of 18 games, which is a great record. So it looks like those injuries aren't holding them back too, too much. 
Um, at fourth, you've got the Philadelphia 76ers. And then at fifth, you've got the Phoenix Suns, which is definitely a team we haven't talked about that much. But they've won nine out of their last 10 games, and they're actually on a six-game winning streak at the moment. So we've got some teams that are um, really crushing it right now, and I think um, should make the rest of the season uh, fun. We'll have to keep an eye out for them. Moving into MLB, spring training started today. It's the greatest time of year. Pitchers and catchers are out there. Smell that happening. Fresh cut grass. It, literally, it feels like even though it's February <gasps> and there's an ice storm happening, it like it kind of feels like spring is happening because knowing that baseball players are out there and they're getting after it, and they didn't really have spring training last year like they would have normally. So it's good to be able to have these teams getting to practice with any of the new players they've acquired and get back into the swing of things um, because they really didn't have that last year. And they also had a shortened season last year and it's supposed to go back to basically a regular season again. So they need to make sure they're, you know, doing what they got to do to make sure injuries don't happen. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but as of right now, everything is, is on pace to go back to normal, which would be amazing. In other MLB news, Tim Tebow announced his retirement from professional baseball, which is still funny to say because if anyone knows who Tim Tebow is, he used to be an NFL quarterback, retired, and then said, you know what, I want to pursue my other passion, which is baseball. And it's just funny because professional athletes are just so talented. They could really just (laughs) pick up anything. So... Quit NFL and then he went right on over and joined the Mets organization in 2016. I think he was just on like a basic team to kind of help. I don't think it was like a practice squad, you know? What no, was? he was on their instructional league starting in 2016 and then he worked his way up to the triple A level, I think two years ago, 2019. Um, and he was actually doing okay. When he was playing with them, I kind there was a part of me that thought that we were going to actually bring him up to um, actually play like at City Field, but that did not happen. Um, and then I also thought he had retired like last year. So when I saw this, I was like, "Wait, he's still playing!" Like I thought <laughs> after a few years of just like giving it his best shot at AAA and nothing, and not going anywhere, I thought he'd already retired. I already thought he but, gave up. No, still there. He's now officially retiring. And Tim Tebow is like known for after he would, I guess, after they would score a touchdown, he would go into the end zone and he would like kneel and pray. Touch his forehead. Touch his forehead. So that used to be, I guess, like a big thing. And yeah, because it was very religious. I don't know. Well, that used to be a thing that people used to always do, do like the Tim Tim Tebow. Yeah, they used to like like would take like a picture like that. Like, oh, everyone like pose. Yeah, people used to like Tim Tebow, and yeah, and yes, that's (laughs) that's him. Yeah, he went he went to baseball, um, and now he's done. (laughs) I I don't want to say anything negative about him because like he didn't do anything to me, but it's like he didn't have an outstanding. Like he went to NFL, everyone thought he was going to do really well. He did okay. Retires from that, did some hosting gigs with like ESPN, nothing all that amazing. Goes to MLB, didn't really shine there. I'm like, I think it's best to just, yeah, just 
call it quits. Oh, damn. You are given a, another salty, <laughs> salty attitude. I just was, I don't know. It's like, I think he gave it his best. So I think he's smart now to just like retire, <sighs> retire as a Met. He's retiring as a Met. No hard yeah. feelings. Wish him the, wish him all the best and whatever he chooses to do next, you know? So moving into our next topic, which Keith actually kind of mentioned last week, and things developed from that um, right after he spoke about this, but he was talking about how COVID was hitting the NHL really hard, which, you know, throughout every sport that's kind of come back, they've all dealt with it. NFL had postponed games, players out. Like, we've just seen it happening. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that that hockey was the next sport to get hit with this pretty bad, but they've had a lot, a lot of outbreaks going on. Um, They've had 35 games postponed, which is, which is a lot. So they, as of last Thursday, they put in some new um, COVID protocols to hopefully, you know, get these players back and healthy, get everything back where it needs to be. Um, So one of which is adding in rapid testing every single or every game day not every single day but every time there is a game all players staff and on ice officials will have rapid testing that day um in the past it was only used in specific situations like if a player has returned from quarantining and they wanted to make sure that they were covid free but now that will be happening any game day um they're also doing something which i haven't seen any other sport do So they are reconfiguring their seating setup. So now they're going to have players that have been previously infected by COVID sit next to players that have not been infected because in theory- Like in every other seating? Yeah. So, because in theory, they have immunity to it. And then, so they won't be able to like spread it to the people next to them who haven't gotten it yet. And so- I mean, that makes sense. It was kind of like when I went out- (laughs) For dinner for my birthday, we had like, not like a massive group and like the table was kind of spread out, but we like literally sat like every other person that had really? COVID because I was with like uh, my family. So it was like my brother and then like my <laughs> other cousin that didn't have it, then my cousin that had it and then like me and then my other cousin didn't have it and then like Alex and then someone else and then Gianna because like ever they had it like we literally like kind of like spread it out or we put like some infected people yeah. in the middle <laughs> I hadn't thought about it because at first I was like oh my god that's like will that work but it's assuming that anyone who has contracted the virus can't get it again the next 90 days so therefore they won't it's yeah, but it's not like they're sharing a room else. with that person they're just sitting next they're they're only sitting one person away from someone that mm-hmm. hasn't I know. I mean, I see what they're trying to do, but they're. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I guess they're just trying to come up with like any possible extra stuff. No, I mean, I'm sure they'll breathe less on. (laughs) COVID air. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that that could help for sure, but they're all going to be walking. Like, I'm just thinking like in hockey, they're where their seats are. They have to like go into the box Right. So, like, they still have to walk into the box, like, past everyone. Right. And that was actually brought up because one of the on-ice officials actually tested positive for COVID after one of the games. So, they were like, it's not just something that's getting swapped possibly in the locker room. Like, it could be happening during the game. Because, like you said, they're walking by people. They're on the ice. Like, I don't know. It's going to be something that's hard to 
completely stop. Maybe the rapid testing every day, we'll be able to catch someone who might, who might have it. Um, they're also putting in more extreme, like at home quarantine rules. So basically unless you have practice a game or any essential activity or a family emergency, you are not to leave the house for anything like, which I'm surprised wasn't already in place. Like that, that wasn't already part of the rules, but I guess they're, no, I get it, but I, I get that. And I think that's smart, but it also is pretty much like you're putting people on house arrest and like, yeah. I get at the end of the day, like people are like, oh, these people are making so much money, but it's still like a job. Like imagine if your work said that you're not allowed to go anywhere, like you're not allowed to go out to eat it. Right. Just because they need me healthy for my job. I'd be like, absolutely not. You'd be like, F that. Yeah. (laughs) So like I do get like, obviously they're making so much money. So people are like, you can't complain and they want to do for the fans. But like if to them, it's still like a job, like they have a contract, like they never signed something that said that they are not going to have a life. Right, like Which I get, no one should have a life anyway because we're in a pandemic. But I'm just still saying I do yeah. see how that could be a little. It's a intrusive, intrusive, goosive. Especially because you saw, even though we made fun of him, but like LeBron James talking about the PTSD he had from the the bubbles. It's like when you get forced to literally go absolutely nowhere, it can drive you a little mad. Um. They're also going to be providing KN95 face masks, which I guess was not in, like they could wear just like random masks, but they're going to be handing out these better medical masks that are to be worn at all times, except for when exercising. So that includes the locker room and they are removing the plexiglass that's behind the player benches and that's supposed to increase ventilation. So I don't know. Some of it seems kind of random or like how will Isn't that the plexiglass because people get slammed up into the plexiglass? People are just going to be like slamming over. Well, yeah. So part of it, and I was reading, I didn't take, I didn't like write all of this down, but it's also like to prevent like hockey pucks from shooting out into yeah the fans. So they're, I guess they're going to be putting up maybe nets. They said like yeah, that works. if fans, if fans are allowed at games, they're going to put netting up. But yeah, I mean, some of it seems like a little bit of a stretch. Like is the plexiglass really call, causing the spread of coronavirus? I'm not yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're just, like, they're just like really trying to make sure that they keep all their games because I was also reading that the, you know, NHL suffered a lot from like a revenue perspective this year for COVID, which Mm. makes sense, but they are hoping to get like a ton of money because they're trying to sign a lot of like exclusive TV deals. Like I know NBC already gives them like, I don't know, two million, maybe that's too loud, two million or something in contract, but they're starting to do Mm -hmm. all these other contracts with like ESPN plus and other streaming services. So like in order for them to get the money from these like TV networks and streaming services, like they need to be able to stream games. So I think they're also like really concerned that if they cannot keep it under wraps, they're not going to have games and they're not going to like be able to make money because they're hurting in a revenue department. So I think that's where some of the yeah, that definitely makes from. sense. They're like, help you, me, my poor. <laughs> literally, the girl from Bridesmaids. Streaming. I mean, yeah, these game. I mean, with the games being postponed and players getting sick, it's. I'm sure they're starting to see the effects of that. So they've got to at least make it look like they're putting some effort in to take the right steps. Um, exactly. When it comes to the to the vid. 
Yes. And, you know, with that, there's a lot of teams that have been infected by all of their COVID-19 outbreaks, one of them being the New Jersey Devils, mm-hmm. which finally returned to play this week um, after they had 19 players on the COVID list and they had so to postpone seven of their last games since like the end of January. So I don't even think they've played a game in February at all. Um, but they played their first game this week against the Rangers, um, which was on Tuesday, and they actually won five to two, um, which is good for the New Jersey Devils, um, but not good for the Rangers. That was their, you know, fourth loss in a row. So they're hitting a little bit of a losing streak for anyone that is a Rangers fan. Bummer. I mean, that sucks. I, I as an Islanders. Well, I'll say an Islanders household because I don't have a strong affiliation with either the Rangers or the Islanders. Um, I know the Islanders have been playing pretty decent. So I've got a happy. Uh, <laughs> so basically, a there little you go. better. Really Not like amazing, but a little better than than the Rangers. So my significant other is, is happy with that situation. Hopefully they don't get uh, hit by the... Hit by the- <laughs> by the Rona wave. Yeah, that would, that would be no bueno. All right. I think that wraps up NHL talk. A couple locker room talks today, uh, getting a little steamy, very steamy. We talked a couple weeks ago about Vanessa Hutchins rumored to be dating Cole Tucker, which is a player on the Pittsburgh pirates. They posted, or I think they were, I think they were spotted being seen together on New Year's Eve. So it was yes. rumored that they were a couple, but it wasn't official until she posted a Valentine's Day post. Yeah, I guess like Valentine's Day really brought out the love in everyone this weekend because like everyone felt the need to be posting about their significant other. So Vanessa Hudgens made it official and posted like a really cute picture of them kissing. Okay, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Cast out of the bag, even though he is literally 24 years old. Yeah. And then it's literally the same story with Kendall Jenner um, confirming her romantic relationship with another 24 year old. I. I don't really follow her too closely, but I guess she's like notorious for being like, she's always dating an athlete, like always dating a basketball player. She's always a little secretive about who she's dating. Right. Like she never really. Not like a showy poster. It's always rumors, but she posted to her Instagram story this weekend confirming that she was dating um, NBA player Devin Booker. So I guess, like I said, you know, they got struck by Cupid's arrow this weekend and they just wanted to (laughs) post to Instagram all about their love. They did. Um, There was rumors of Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker dating prior. There was rumors between them starting a whole year ago. They were spotted going on a road trip to Sedona together. And then he accompanied her to Kim's 40th birthday party. So it's been going on for a while. So that does kind of show that Kendall's not one to just spill the tea and get showy about her boyfriend. She wants to kind of you know, just taking the relationship herself without it being scrutinized in the public eye. Um, but yeah, he, he plays for the Phoenix Sun. His dad was also um, like an NBA player um, as well. If anyone had heard of him, his father is Melvin Booker. But yeah, wish him luck. Congrats to the happy couples. Yeah. 
and like not just everyone we got was really confirming stuff. Like, obviously this is not, um, not sports related, but, um, Courtney Kardashian, like also confirming her posts as well. Like just everyone was just coming up with the tags with the the tag. Who knew? Everyone got some tea this V-Day weekend. (laughs) That they do. All right. I think that wraps up another episode of Out of Your League. Sorry again for, you know, missing my voice last week, but happy to be back this week. Keep following our Instagram at Out of Your League Podcast. Out is spelled O-U-T-T-A. And come back next week for our next episode. We are out of here. here.